Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 82 of Grow Bud Yourself. We are very excited about this one. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the news of the day, but then uh, we've got an interview with Meg Sanders and Eric Williams, the CEO and COO of Canna Provisions Dispensaries in Massachusetts. Uh, The grow segment, I'm going to be giving advice on grow room maintenance in between grows, uh, plus answers to your questions. Episode 82 is brought to you by Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients, Rocket Seeds, and Excelsior Extracts. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. Hey, all right, we are back, and it's episode 82. Thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the Grow Bud Yourself theme music. We love it, uh, and we really appreciate all the support you guys give us. So uh, here we are, Mike, episode 82. How you doing? Well, you know, I've been better. <laughs> yeah. I got a little uh, little sinus infection, so uh, sorry, everybody. Just bear with me. It's going to be a little... A little annoying to listen to my voice this week. I'm I'm sorry. In advance. Never, never. Nah. Um, but yeah. Uh, Before we jump into everything, I wanted to say, you know, last episode you threw out the idea about, you know, what, what should people who listen to this show frequently be called? Uh, that was over in episode 81. And you actually got a couple of responses. So I thought maybe we should we should get into those. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, so uh, Dave wrote in, and he said, uh, Hey, guys, I'm a big fan. I've been listening since episode one. I had a couple ideas to name your adoring fans. Uh, First, I thought it was pretty obvious. Uh, We are GBY buddies. Another uh, that I like are Nugheads. (laughs) So, yeah, that's what what Dave thought. But then over on Patreon, uh, Joey wrote us, and he thinks that listeners should be called the Grow Buds. (laughs) Which, <laughs> that's good know, too the grow buds the grow buds yeah so I, like I don't know nugheads is a good one too gby buddies that's that's pretty good buddies i like it gbyb uh yeah good stuff man i, yeah, I dig a couple it of, couple of responses there but uh i don't know if any of i don't know if we've found it yet <laughs> no i think the the answer is still out there so keep those uh, suggestions coming. Yeah, definitely. And uh, join Patreon, too. We're having a lot of fun over there. Yeah, for sure. Also, just real quick, uh, Clark 
wrote in to say that he saw you at the Emerald Cup. He got he was so excited he got to meet you at the Emerald Cup, which you just got back from while Dumpster Funk was playing. Yeah, right on. Thanks, Clark. It was great meeting you. I hope uh, I hope I wasn't too high to like uh, <laughs> give you some stickers and stuff. And, and I had some I had stickers there. Anybody that mentions the show, I, I I try to remember to give them some stickers. So I hope I did. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for your support. It was great uh, meeting you and your crew. And uh, especially seeing Dumpster Funk and enjoying the Emerald Cup, which was really, I made a last minute decision, um, literally like the Friday before to fly out on Saturday morning. And uh, best decision I made this year, it really, uh, <laughs> yeah, it really kind of rejuvenated my, uh, my soul in a lot of ways to see a lot of people I hadn't seen in a couple of years. Um, never been to Emerald Cup, so, you know, scratch that one off the nugget list as well. And the vibe is just so amazing. It was just it was like everything you loved about the old days of, of, uh, you know, the cups that we used to do, uh, without any of the, uh, the other stuff and really just a, such a great, amazing vibe. And the idea of, uh, preserving California farms, the smaller farms, uh, was a highlight of, of, of the Emerald cup was not only seeing some of the prisoners who had been released, uh, in the last couple of years, um, from life sentences and really long, uh, ridiculous uh, sentences for for nonviolent cannabis crimes, but also um, we got to keep this small farm thing alive. We got to make sure that the Emerald Triangle um, survives and the farmers survive. And the only way to do that is to is to you know go out of your way to support them and and get their products and uh, and it's a better product anyway. So if you're a connoisseur like me, uh, a, a real aficionado. Uh, you got to do whatever you can to keep that whole vibe alive. And the Emerald Cup, that, that's the one uh, in Sonoma, right? At the Sonoma County Fairgrounds? Indeed. And this one was not even much of a, it wasn't really a contest. This was just a harvest ball, just to celebrate the harvest. And you could feel the vibe. I mean, obviously, everybody's worried about, you know, the future and what's going on and the overregulation and the taxes and the BS. And there's so much. I mean, this is NorCal where people are raiding dispensaries and, you know, with outgunning the police and and just robbing people blind and so there's a lot going on out there and it's not obviously a lot of it is very scary um but we're still able to get together and uh organize and celebrate and and collaborate towards uh keeping this community and the culture of cannabis alive and the quality of cannabis alive uh what emerald cup showed me was that uh we we just got to keep keep the keep up the fight and and uh, insist that that culture stays alive one way or another. All right. And shouts to, uh, to Craig Coffey and Mel, Bobby Black in April. You got to see some of the old crew out there, right? Yeah. Bean and Lee's. Oh, Bean and, and E. Okay. Yeah. Right. Everybody. I mean, just, yeah. it was just, it, it was so nice to see everybody, uh, that, you know, we were there, uh, repping independent cannabis journalism for the people, by the people. Uh, and, uh, you really felt that, uh, community vibe at an event that that didn't didn't feel like you know uh like a corporate uh like a money grab <laughs> either a money <laughs> grab or like a, you know just a you know a gathering for people to like f- you know fleece each other's ideas or whatever it was really uh people who just have dedicated their lives to the plant and uh just truly an honor and a pleasure to to be there so looking forward to next year hoping to judge and uh make that happen so very cool 
Well, uh, we have a we have a great interview, awesome cultivation segment, but uh, we we did want to touch on just a couple of news pieces briefly, and uh, let's jump from California over to Missouri, which uh, just a little over a year ago, Missouri uh, started their medical cannabis program, and in that time, and in, in fourteen months, they have sold two hundred million dollars of medical cannabis. This is in Missouri. So that's that's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Uh, not a place I would have thought would have been, uh, you know, on the cutting edge of uh, <laughs> that many sales. Yeah, <laughs> you know that that quickly. But that's great news. It just goes to show, like these programs, they're going to be popular wherever they are, even in states that you might think, you know, it wouldn't work. This is in Missouri. Two hundred million dollars of medical cannabis sold in just a little over a year. Amazing. Yeah. And if they had rec or adult use, it would be a billion or more. And I think people are starting to, you know, realize that, uh, you know, you see California, you see Colorado, you see uh, Massachusetts, even Maine and Oklahoma. And, you you know, these places are thriving. They're taking in a ton of money uh, that they can use, hopefully, on making everything better for everyone. And I think that's a great thing. It is indeed. But speaking of Massachusetts, <laughs> you know, Massachusetts, uh, they, they legalized in 2016. And uh, it took a couple of years to get sales going, but they kicked uh, off retail sales in 2018. And in that time period, from 2018 to, to 2021, they've already uh, sold more than $2 billion, a billion with a B, $2 billion of uh, recreational cannabis in that time period. So, you know, they've had, they've had some bumps in the road, especially when it comes to creating a more inclusive industry through social equity programs, but more or less overall, the program in Massachusetts can only be described as a success. It's been very popular with the people there and it's done well monetarily. It's brought in a ton of tax revenue for the state. So things are going overall pretty well in Massachusetts. So of course, when things are going really well with something, that's when uh, lawmakers decide to hop in and see if they can upset the apple cart and ruin everything for everyone. And that's where this story picks up. Um, Apparently, uh, two new bills that were introduced in uh, the uh, Massachusetts legislature uh, seek to disrupt, I guess I would say, the current cannabis industry in the Bay State. Uh, one of the bills would raise the uh, the legal purchasing age for adult-use cannabis from 21 to 25. So it seems arbitrary, but this bill would, would uh, make it so only people 25 and older could legally purchase cannabis, which of course would force everyone 24 and under back to the black market and unregulated cannabis. So you could drink alcohol when you're 21, but if this bill passes, you can't buy weed until you're 25. And then the other bill that has been introduced, I think is maybe even more egregious. Uh, this second bill introduced by state rep Bradford Hill would cap THC levels in cannabis and other pot products at 10%. So the idea is that uh, NIDA Research, the National Institute of Drug Abuse, they they say that obviously it's true, cannabis potency levels have risen over the years, you know, from about 4% in the 90s to 15 and over in 2018. So uh, this bill would 
would cap the potency of pot that's allowed to be sold at just 10% THC. And for people who don't know, currently in Massachusetts, the average pot product contains somewhere between 15 and 27% THC. So this would significantly reduce the uh, potency of the cannabis legally available. Yeah, I mean, both of those things sound really stupid and ill-advised and ridiculous. And I think it's just the other side um, trying to put stumbling blocks in the way of, you know, full legalization by doing that. I mean, THC limits have always been ridiculously dumb. Uh, and now raising the, the minimum age uh, from 21 to 25 is the opposite of what they should do, which is lower it to 18 or even lower, really. I mean, it, it, it's crazy to think that uh, someone you know, 18 or 19 years old can pick up a gun and, and go and fight for the country, but they can't uh, drink booze or, uh, or consume cannabis legally. And so, I mean, who are we to even stand in the way of, I mean, especially, okay, fine, let's just make it 18 to keep it simple. And if someone's a medical patient and they're under 18, um, you know, that's a consideration for, for a medical patient. Uh, but even 16 and 17 year olds are smoking pot, not necessarily medically. Uh, so I don't think criminalizing them is smart either. Uh, but I mean, raising it to 25 is absolutely ridiculous. And capping THC limits at 10% is, is ridiculous too. It, the whole thing is, is just more prohibitionist mania uh, and reefer madness just but now they're on the other side, so they're just trying to like put a wrench in in the system. So at least you know the, th this isn't the way that it is. It's the way they want it to be, and all we have to do is resist it and ensure that anybody who would even propose such a b stupid bill is voted out and no longer representing us, uh, because we want to we want to see it less regulation and less you know of all of that. Uh, and I would put the politicians feet to the fire on this and really, you know, we should find out who, who the people are who are proposing these bills and, uh, and why are they wasting the government's time with that when there's so much more important stuff happening and when cannabis can help and all that stuff. So as, as to who they are, uh, the, the legal age bill is from state rep James O'Day and the THC uh, cap bill is from state rep Bradford Hill. Yeah, well, uh, I know that, you know, MassCan and all these organizations are organized against this. And obviously, these are just bills. These are just proposals. Uh, none of this is going to happen. I, ideally, you know, there's no way with all the money in cannabis that they're going to allow it to happen. But why are they even wasting their time trying to make it happen? It's just it's so stupid. Uh, so, you know, if you want to write a letter, uh, you know, or send an email, be respectful to, to these people, but let them know that they're wasting uh the government's time and people's time and money and all of this on cannabis when they should be uh, taking all these regulations off instead of adding new ones. So that's the way I feel about it. And I think, uh, you know, it, should a bill like that come to the floor and actually have a chance of passing, that's when we really got to mobilize and make sure that, you know, there's no way that that could occur um, as far as, you know, writing letters, contacting politicians, voting for people who aren't supporting this and, uh, you know, keeping cannabis alive. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the lessons we learned with what's happened in South Dakota recently and also in other states is that, uh, you know, people who oppose cannabis, they're not resting. They're not letting this go. 
so whatever we think that we have gained, uh, we have to continue to fight for because it yeah. can be taken away. Uh, that's number one. Number two, the interesting thing about this Massachusetts uh, development with these bills is, oddly, it comes after the Cannabis Control Commission, which is the board that uh, oversees cannabis in Massachusetts. They just released a statement that they had studied potential effects of uh, more potent cannabis and found that there's not sufficient scientific evidence of any risks associated with high-potency pot and so they decided against recommending uh, limits on potency. And sort of right after that uh, announcement, we have these this bill that that seeks to uh, to cap the potency anyhow. So interesting timing. Yeah. Well, you know, they always say it's two steps forward, one step back. But we do not want to take any more steps back. So uh, keep stepping forward and. Uh, you know, just pay attention to what's really going on, not like the stuff, uh, you know, that's out there distracting you. But, you know, this is real. These people really want to want to put the kibosh on a two billion dollar industry. And we can't allow that. And, you know, the the important thing is just to stay involved. You know, in this situation, I think mass can, you know, take your cues from. Uh, MassCan, go to masscan.org and uh, sign any petitions they've got, contact the people you need to contact, join the organization. I mean, that's the first step if you're in, in that place and outraged by this. Um, join MassCan and support them and help them. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of it. And, uh, you know, I think uh, everyone should be part of that locally. If, if we were, we'd be way far ahead at this point. All the prisoners would be released. We'd have the laws we want, and we wouldn't still be talking about THC limits and 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 raising the age at which cannabis can be consumed. We, you know, it, it it requires being involved. So please get involved, please. Especially if you're in a place where it's already legal and you're not really facing tremendous consequences anymore. Yeah, not to belabor the point, uh, you know, all potency caps on THC are kind of silly, but, but wouldn't you say 10% is a little ridiculous? I mean, that, that's exceptionally low. Yeah. And I mean, getting people to even grow cannabis that low is going to be a whole other, you know, ridiculous thing that, you know, you're going to end up having to mix high potency cannabis with, you know, low THC hemp or something. And all of it just, just on the face of it is ridiculous. So, you know, Make sure to pay attention to what's going on out there with these po prohibitionist politicians uh, on either side of the aisle or in the middle or wherever they happen to be. Um, you know, it is important to note that this is a bipartisan issue. Both sides of the aisle, at the end of the day, the people out there who support different parties mostly agree that cannabis should not be illegal. People should not be going to jail for it. And there's nothing wrong with having. Uh, an industry behind it making some money for the government of the United States of America. So, or any other culture country, but you know, for us here in particular, I don't know. There's my diatribe of the day. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, that's uh, a, that's a little look at what's going on in the world of weed, but we have a very exciting interview coming up next. Yes, indeed. We have Meg Sanders and Eric Williams. Uh, she is the CEO and he is the COO of Canna provisions, uh, that they have, uh, two dispensaries in Massachusetts. But when I say dispensaries, uh, these, th these are models of what a dispensary should be. They have incredibly uh, amazing product, cannabis, uh, concentrates, edibles, everything uh, in a beautiful, welcoming environment. Uh, and 
our buddy Chemdog, who's been on the show, actually uh, grows for them legally uh, up there. So you can actually buy Chemdog grown by Chemdog legally for only from Canna Provisions. And they are pioneers in what uh, the legal cannabis world should look like and will hopefully look like, at least the, the, the part of it that I'll be patronizing. Um, so, yeah, I guess without further ado, let's take a break uh, and come back with uh, Meg Sanders and Eric Williams from Canna Provisions in Massachusetts. If you're ready to start your own home grow, you're going to need some seeds. Fortunately, our sponsor Rocket Seeds has you covered. You can find seeds for hundreds of high-quality cannabis varieties at rocketseeds.com, including many of our strains of the Fortnite. Rocket Seeds boasts an incredible inventory of quality-tested cannabis seeds. Whether you're looking for feminized, autoflowering, regular, CBD, or fast version seeds, Rocket Seeds has it all. Plus, Rocket Seeds ships internationally and discreetly and provides excellent customer service. And as a special promotion just for our listeners, you can use the code GBY10 to get 10% off your order at Rocket Seeds. So follow at Rocket Seeds on Instagram. Remember to tell them Danny sent you. And check out rocketseeds.com today and get growing. All right, welcome back. And uh, we have a special interview for you guys today. Uh, we are speaking with Meg Sanders and Eric Williams of Canna Provisions Group. Uh, Canna Provisions, uh, they have two dispensaries in uh, the Berkshires in Western Mass, uh, Lee and Holyoke, uh, in a beautiful part of Massachusetts, and uh, wanted to welcome Eric and Meg to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Glad and, to see you. And it's a beautiful part of America as, yes. as a whole. It, it is not just beautiful for Massachusetts, Western Mass is is really just a just a global gem. It is so gorgeous out here. I mean, we need to get you out here more <laughs> for sure. Yeah, but absolutely, it's, it's beautiful out here. I will definitely be there in the new year for sure. Um, what's interesting to me is people are always telling me that uh, you know you can't get good cannabis at a dispensary, <laughs> and I think you guys have proven that wrong. Uh, 100%. And I think, you know, other dispensaries as well, but you guys are really leading the way on that. But I digress because I'd like to take us back um, to how you guys got involved in cannabis to begin with. Uh, maybe starting with uh, Meg, can you just enlighten our listeners to uh, how you got in involved in cannabis? I'm happy to. I was in a uh, job for a family office in Boulder, Colorado, uh, really working on compliance things. And it was very interesting um, in that it applies, in that compliance is a big part of the regulated industry. A lot of forms, a lot of applications, a lot of uh, paperwork you got to chase down and make sure it's accurate. So it actually was a very good fit with a friend of mine who was going into the Colorado industry. This was in 2009. So truly, truly, you know, the very beginning of Colorado. And it was Wild West like crazy land grab, property grab. And um, I just really felt like, wow, this could be a great opportunity um, to learn something new and get on board with a brand new industry. And so I started kind of working in appliance. And then we um, we quickly realized that the operators at the table were probably not going to get us over the finish line. So we 
made some changes on the organizational side and management and got the company going with the right funding and the right people leading it. And um, I ended up being the CEO of that company for seven years. And yeah, it was really, truly learning the learning to fly the airplane while you're flying the airplane and building the airplane. And also all the regulations are changing all the time. And we were doing medical and then all of a sudden adult use passed. And then we had to figure that out. And we truly had just gotten our feet under us for medical. So it was just like, oh, no, now we got to learn a whole brand new thing. And then obviously seed to sale tracking with metric came on board. So we had to learn that very quickly. And here we are, you know, in Massachusetts, kind of taking everything that we learned um, from that opportunity. Um, I would say in the early part of uh, the company I was, I was a CEO of, which was called Mindful, that's how I met Eric. And we were looking at um, Connecticut at the time because it was moving forward with a very new strategy, which was not voter initiative. It was legislative. And Eric was leading the charge. And that's kind of where he enters the picture. So I'm going to let him take it from there. Sure. So, um, you know, I, I really was, I, I was born and raised in politics uh, um, by just being a Nashville, New Hampshire kid growing up and um, got in, involved really early in that. And when I was a, I believe a sophomore in college um, was the first time I had really started to see the effects of the drug war on persons. Um, and, and by the way, this is a very sophomoric view of the drug war. I was looking at it through my own eyes and seeing the amount of college kids that were having, you know, their, their lives thrown away because of, of a seed, you know, of a roach, which seems so crazy that that happens, but it did. And so I, I first got involved then um, in, in understanding cannabis law reform. Um, and then I went about my life, uh, really spent about, from that point on, another 15 to 20 years working in politics. I was a Democratic operative, had a political consulting firm, and, uh, you know, it was down this life track where it was uh, easier and easier and less and less time and more and more money. Um, and the only thing it cost you was your soul. And so, you know, I was 35 years old and saying, how can I be 35 years old and, and be this, you know, successful person, you know, house, two dogs, two kids, two cars kind of thing. And I just was, I, I can't be happy in, in this place. And so I decided to get my soul back and I sold my political consulting firm. Um, actually, I didn't even sell it because most of my selling was just about, you know, locking me in for another few years. I gave away almost all of my clients um, and my book of business and um, set out for five years to get my soul back and do something big. Uh, and I had already, you know, been sort of reaching out to some folks in a national normal um, and um, decided the real place that I could make a difference was in cannabis. Um, you know, there weren't many, if, if any, people who were passionate about and willing to put everything into cannabis reform that had the actual experience um, and professional expertise that I did in actually getting stuff passed. So uh, my intention, I took a mid-career retirement, um, planned on doing that for five years of not having any income and investing a certain amount of income into cannabis law reform, and I formed uh, Connecticut Normal. And um, so when I founded Connecticut Normal and was the executive director, my goal was to 
First of all, decriminalize possession. I saw that as the gateway to the war on drugs. That was the gateway to the criminal justice system. And that's really where I first you know, got involved with cannabis reform. Uh, and I also wanted to legalize medical marijuana, which you know, may seem quaint right now in 2021, but, you know, in 2010, it never happened through the legislature anywhere. Um, there, it was a, a big leap to do so. Everywhere else was through the courts um, or through an actual vote. Um, and, you know, lo and behold, I ended up getting both of those things done um, in 16 months. The first one, we, I was able to decriminalize possession um, the first year that, that, that we started working on it. And uh, the very next legislative year, we passed um, medical cannabis through um, the state legislature, um, legislation I was really, really proud to write and completely spearhead the, the effort to getting that done. Uh, and, it, you know, Danny, I think you might appreciate this, but, you know, uh, there was at the time a big push to, well, now you should get into the industry. And, you know, I, I didn't I had just, I was trying to get my soul back. I didn't want to get into anything called an industry at that point and had, you know, really my activist chip on my shoulder being like, you know, fuck you. Who are you guys making money off the plant? How fucking dare you? You know, that kind of stuff. And um, when I went out to Colorado, met a bunch of people. And when I met Meg and there was a very, very clear moment um, when we were walking through um her then grow and she turned to me and said aren't these plants just so beautiful these girls are so beautiful and i was like fuck she's the real deal and so um you know that's that was really how i got into and also at the same point i was like i don't know anything about the cannabis business like i i did this not for business i did this for completely different social justice and and, and palliative benefits at the time um, but then I also saw that no one else knew what the fuck they were doing either. And so I saw it as, you know, I still had a, a few more years that I had devoted to um, <laughs> not making money, which is good because we perfect. did that. It was perfect, perfect because first, you know, made none in cannabis in those first few years. That's for damn sure. Meanwhile, all the while being called, you know, big cannabis everywhere you went. And we're like, we're all making $36,000 a year. Like, this is ridiculous. There's nothing big about, nothing big about this. Um but yeah, that's how Meg and I got together with um, the company that would eventually become Mindful. And I worked and, and consulted all over the country. You know, so in 2013 was, well, I'll also tell you the end of 2012, uh, we killed legislation for medical marijuana in Illinois. And that was because it was going to benefit three companies and three companies only. Um, and then passed the legislation spearheaded the passing of legislation in 2013 in Illinois. Um, 2014, we got you know New York medical marijuana passed. That was uh, you know disappointingly butchered at the end by Governor Cuomo, as you and I have spoken about many times before. But worked all over the country and in on the business side as well as you know helping to set up um, and, and and normalize. This industry, this industry that I think is one of the most beneficial industries in all of America, you know, almost all of humanity, we're firm believers that the plant is the gateway to a richer, better, healthier, more well, more mindful life all around. So, but then you made the shift from 
Colorado to Massachusetts. Tell me a little bit about uh, the founding of Canna Provisions and, and how that all came about. Well, I'll start with one part and then you can jump on from there. So it wasn't even about Canada provisions. We were consulting and um, had we saw Massachusetts as a really incredible market, mostly because of the promise of the social equity um, part of the legislation that was there. There was we liked the license caps, you know, so there was this notion that you can truly compete uh, without having to go super corporate and really huge. We really liked those things. Um, that's what brought us to the state. And it was um, can provisions as a company. They were a client at the very beginning stages of, of its own life. I believe the, the totality of the company's assets was a letter of intent on a piece of property <laughs> at the time when we were hired. Uh, and, you know, following down our journey, we saw a couple super unique things that were visions of this company and and we re really fell in love with them i'll let meg talk about those two things yeah so um i remember we we had not really been to holyoke or to lee when we uh signed on and so one of the first things we did was to come and check out the property um or that i or even look for properties in lee and um that was i just remember going going over the kind of the pass, I use that lightly coming from Colorado, but going over a pass on, on the Mass Pike and kind of dropping into the Berkshires and pulling into Lee. And it just felt so much like home for me. It felt very much like Colorado, big skies and mountains and rivers. And it was just stunning. And I, I immediately fell in love with, with the entire vision of what, what this little gem of a town and and how much we fell in love with all the people here after spending some time and it was just easy to see operating a dispensary here it was just it was felt very natural and then Holyoke um kind of completely different in that it's you know it's a urban landscape of really needing massive redevelopment massive infrastructure massive investment and these beautiful mill buildings and this really like bones of uh, incredibly what you can imagine back when it was in the heyday and the wealthiest city in America, um, the bones of it. It was a planned, thoughtful city. And it just happened to fall apart because industry left. And we had a mayor at the time who had an amazing vision for using cannabis dollars and cannabis, you know, business, tourism, every possible aspect to basically get Holyoke back on its feet. And we bought in so hard to that because we've seen it. We've seen it with our own eyes in Colorado and other states where a dispensary comes and opens and it just changes the landscape of everyone around. It changes the value of the real estate. It changes. Positively. Very positively, <laughs> right? So, you know, in, in, in Denver, we had a we had a shop on East Colfax that I really would not go to after dark by myself. It was, it was very, very... Um, just a different place. And when we opened within a year of us opening, there was a Starbucks, there was a pizza place, there was a Pilates studio. There was just an amazing invest investment. And somehow with us being the first to go in and rent the property, we were able to then make it positive for all the other landowners, you know? So, and, and all of a sudden the rent, the rent and the locations became a lot more desirable. And I can't say we were 100% about that, but I can say that it happened. And then we kept seeing it happen. And often what happens with cannabis is towns want to push it to, 
places that are less desirable, places that, you know, no one else wants to go to. And inadvertently, what they end up doing is kind of creating a whole new place, you know. Um, and that was early. And now now where we are, you know, we really have thoughtful conversations with with town and, and local governments about how important it is for dispensaries to be in a retail area with parking. And we shouldn't be relegated to commercial zone or to, you know, industrial areas. Like, or next to the strip club. Yeah, next to the strip club or across the street from the car dealership. We should be with other retails. And, and I think we're finally making that progress. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, Holyoke had a vision to bring back a beautiful city, a majestic city. And we bought in fully. We're just, we can see it so clearly what will happen with consumption lounges and a whole bunch of dispensaries being open and a hotel opening and, you know, various things, more restaurants. And obviously COVID, you know, had its way with that. And really a lot of, a lot of um, new businesses that had already come to town were struggling, but we're seeing them come back. We're seeing concerts come back. We're seeing all kinds of development and it's, it's happening exactly as we would hope it would happen. And we do believe Holyoke will be this amazing Mecca, um, this beautiful, um, Amsterdam of the Northeast, so to speak. And we want to be on the ground floor of that. And that's why we bought in. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the cannabis. Cause I mentioned uh, at the beginning that, you know, you hear out there in the world that like, you know, uh, you can only get mids basically at dispensaries and you got, you have to go to the underground to get high quality. And you guys have absolutely uh, reversed that idea in in uh, the level of quality. So, can we talk a little bit about um, the growers you guys have and the quality of the uh, of the product itself? Well, well, first of all, Danny, you know you've been covering our companies now for what like nine years at this point, <laughs> yeah. and um, that whole notion, I, I gotta say, has frustrated me for all of those years it really has uh you know we had i I feel that we've really always had the best of the best cultivators um and i think that that is also a commitment from the top down and having people who actually give a shit about it as opposed to you know some guy with a spreadsheet you know 500 miles away in another state making a difference we really believe that the Fuck, we wouldn't do this if we didn't love the plant, if we didn't think that we wanted to be the best of the best and nothing else. And so we've, I think that we've always attracted sort of the um, the folks who want to work with us who already were the best of the best. Black market, gray market, legal market, doesn't matter. I think we've attracted those. And, um, you know, the real culmination was with ChemDog. And um, to be honest with you, I, I wasn't even – the notion of even asking him to work with us didn't even cross my mind. It, it really didn't. And and we met each other. And look, I'm a, I'm a New England boy. Um, so I, I've known Kem. I'm a New England boy, graduate high school in 93. I know Kem Dog. <laughs> like the strain for years and years and years. It wasn't until, you know, you wrote about it, uh, uh, wrote about Greg, that, you know, half the, the planet who knew his name was like, wait, that's a person? Like no one really knew. I I didn't either. I know if I saw chem weed, I paid what it cost for years and years and years. Um, And you still get that all the time. You're like, they're like, Kem's an actual person. I'm like, he's an actual man. Yep. He lives and breathes. He's he's, he's here. (laughs) So we we were, he's also an amazing, um, you know, not that the growing cannabis isn't an art, but he's also an amazing glass blowing artist. And we were, um, Oh, I, I only had the ego enough to ask him to carry some of his glass 
And we really just got to know each other because he had never retailed his glass before. Um, and, and we got to know each other and, you know, told each other our stories and what we did. And, you know, for both of, for, for both Meg and I, you know, we don't need to tell our stories. We're pretty, we've been pretty open and public for, you know, well over a decade each in cannabis. Um, Kim had been to our stores, had seen what we were doing, um, had sort of done his homework and said that he was interested in, um, and actually working for us and, and with us in other capacities. And I was just blown away. I remember that day so well because you were just, I mean, <laughs> just glowing. He's like, he wants to work with us. Oh my God, I can't even believe this. This is a myth. This is like crazy. So yeah. you were very, very excited. You know, Dan, I mean, you know, Dan, we've been a lot of places together. You know, I, Megan and I both smoked weed with every damn, you know, cannabis celebrity out there. You know, name them, A, B list, doesn't matter. Um, but one of the biggest things uh, I got to do was smoke chem with chem in chem's kitchen <laughs> and just be like, this, this is like why I got into this because, you know, truth be told, everything that I did um, and, and Meg has done in, in cannabis, you know, in social justice and, and normalizing it, I don't think I would have done it for Mexican brickweed. So if it wasn't for, you know, Kem and, and then some, some other folks at, at that time who pushed for, um, you know, this, this amazing, amazing flower 30 years ago, you know, Kem 91, which, you know, the direct descendant that from, from that original seed and all those moms, we've got them in our grow, right? Now the direct descendants. Um, so, you know, getting to show Kem what we were about understanding what he was about and it, he's 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 an amazing person um and really fits our ideals but also he's a social justice person um as most people probably almost everyone who listens to your podcast knows you know kem got busted and um that that that's the epitome of the shame of the drug war right there and, and you know that's a shame that almost everyone who's made a dollar off of legal weed should have carried with them before Kem actually got into, you know, the business. So we were thrilled that he was willing to come and bring his, um, you know, his genetics and his connections and his skills and his name. Um, and, and we made really strong commitments to him and he did as well. And bro, we're growing the, just the sickest stuff ever. I, I absolutely love it. You know, when you're able to have really tough choices like this month, do we grow Chem 91, Chem 4, Chem Sis, Chem S1? Which of those four do we choose this month? That's a pretty amazing place to be. And um, we're, we're thrilled and honored to have him. The, the only place on this planet that you can get Chem weed grown by Chem as at Can of Provision stores in Massachusetts. So to get back to your question, um, I don't give a fuck who wants to come and say that you can't buy good weed in a dispensary. Come here. Come here and say it. Show me your dope. <laughs> Indeed. He'll, yeah. he'll have it. He'll love it. He would love to chat that up with anybody who challenges it. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah well, it's really a game changer because uh, having, you know, the, the that name is one thing, but having the person and, and their expertise at growing their own strains. So it really is amazing. And I, you guys have an amazing team of, of bud tenders uh, that are knowledgeable and, uh, vary in age and, and, and race and gender and all of it. I think it's really beautiful 
uh, what you guys have done. And, and the project with Chemdog, that's called Smash Hits yeah. uh, or Smash Hits Cannabis. But you guys have uh, a bunch of different projects with different people, including recently launching with little Steven, uh, Steve Van Sant from uh, the E Street Band and the Sopranos and uh, Lily Hummer. Uh, and Sun City, which people forget, but he put together that whole thing in the 80s of not playing in South Africa. And he's, he's been a political activist all his life, um, along with, you know, an amazing musician and now uh, a great actor as well. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh, my God. Um, remember that song? Ain't gonna play Sun City. Yeah, that's him. That, he organized that whole boycott and really played a major role in people understanding what apartheid was all about and yeah. and, and, and made it uncool. He made it uncool to go there and perform. And I think that's, you know, that's beautiful and amazing. He, know, showed, and helped. he showed boycotts work, you know, but I think that that's, that tells you why we would align with someone like that. Right. I mean, believe me, we've been approached and have been just had discussions right. with lots of celebrities in the space and I tell you, um, this man holds a candle right right now to nobody with regards to his activism, his commitment, and what you see is absolutely what you get. He he, he is the person that you see, and he's really humble mm-hmm. and down to earth, and believes very much what he believes about, which is you know obviously climate change, social justice, um, and and he has an amazing commitment to um, to recycling right now and what we should be doing as humans and. That was even part of the packaging discussion. He's just like, I don't want plastic. I don't want single-use plastic. It's got to be something that we can, you know, use again or recycle. And and he is really that involved. I mean, we've had many conversations with him, and we're grateful to know him. I mean, it was we had a beautiful launch party in our event space next door to our dispensary in Holyoke, and I have to say, um, he just he carried that night. It was amazing. It really was amazing. And, and you know, sort of linking this, these two things back, Danny, uh, I really, truly believe that the exact reason that Kem is with us is the exact reason um, that Stephen Van Zandt is, mm-hmm. is with us, um, it, which is also the reason why we get up and do this every day, which is to do something bigger than ourselves. I, I mean, look, I want to I don't want to be crass about this, but it's pretty damn easy to just make money in the cannabis industry. It's really not all that difficult. And for us having done it for so many years and from the start, it's not difficult at all. But that's like I, I told the story beginning, um, I've already lost my soul once and gained it back. And we don't want to do anything but big things. And we, we've lived our lives with the notion, um, well, I won't say our lives, but our cannabis lives together with you can do well by doing good. Um, and, and look, we're here with you talking about Kem and Stephen Van Zant, and for us, that's a, a humanistic payoff in a really big way. It's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And his uh, product line with you guys is Little Stephen's Underground Apothecary, yep. which I think is great. So if people want to find out more about that, you can go to canprovisions.com/slash/littlestephen. Now, as far as advice that you'd have to give uh, to us in other states like New York and New Jersey, where things are changing very rapidly and the industry is going to evolve very quickly uh, once, you know, they, they set up all our standards and, and the application processes and all of that. But what would your advice be as far as navigating those challenges uh, in, an, in a new state? Like, you know, people are listen to us all over the U S and all over the world, but uh, I guess, you know, I, I obviously keep your soul 
and respect and honor the plant. But is there anything else um, that you would give as as uh, advice for people interested in in being part of the industry? I would say first and foremost, um, seeing that Connecticut has a pathway, as does New York have a pathway, um, as does New Jersey have a pathway for social equity, um, economic empowerment, that is huge. And we have not seen a successful model of this yet. Um, it is it is painful to watch. Illinois has tried, Massachusetts has tried, but the regulations and the application process and how it works is not set up to help equity and and it's just not it's not help set up to help equity win and um new jersey did a really great job i think connecticut's doing a really great job and we'll see what happens when new york rolls out final rules and regs but ultimately you have to give people the opportunity to have the piece of paper of a license in their hand to then go raise money to then go talk to landlords without that you're just asking for people to basically be predatory to humans that that have already been preyed upon. So it's not the right thing to do. And I would say that is the first and foremost. And and I also really believe there's room for everyone here. And this notion of competitive and, oh, we've got to be this and we need to run over everybody in order to do it. I'm just here to tell you that there's plenty of cannabis consumers on this planet. And if you can make it through the process and get, get open, you're going to do just fine. And so it's okay to let equity go first. And that's that we should just all stick to our guns about that. You know, especially for for your listeners, I think it's important to say, um, because we 100% believe this, um, it's these next three years and and within with Connecticut, New Jersey and New York, it's our last chance. If you give a shit about social justice, if you give a shit about social equity, this is our last chance because those of us who do care about it, um, we're not winning as a whole. Like we might have individual companies that are doing great. We're, We're doing great as a company. But in general, social justice and social equity across this country is losing. This is the last chance that we have. And I think you can mark my words in really big ways. We've been pretty predictive. This is the last chance that we have. And because if you're looking at, well, when Alabama comes on, they're really <laughs> going to be social justice warriors. They're going to turn this shit around. Texas, count on them. Oh yeah, They're going to be right there. No, that's not going to happen. But you know, for, for I'll give you the broad general advice, and it's not just for the new states, um, but this is the three things that we believe in Canvas that all are all guideposts. Um, and uh, <laughs> one is stay out of jail. Um, and it's, you know, and, and, and it's I don't want to be crass about it. You know, we've been in the industry a long time that the notion of stay out of jail has changed dramatically. But you know what? There's going to be a whole bunch of people who are told that, yeah, you can get a license. Just bribe me. Um, there's going to be people who were like, well, I'm just going to cut this corner and get myself into regulatory jail, or, you know what, uh, I'm going to have to deal with all this environmental bullshit along the way. And I get into that kind of sort of jail, these things that, and I mean that by things that trap you, um, and along those same lines that, but very differently is don't go where you're not wanted. Um, you know what we, everywhere, when we started this, everywhere we went, we weren't wanted. And it's changed enough. And by the same um, presence and knowledge that we went into Holyoke, knowing that we could turn this city around or help to be a big catalyst in doing it, we already know this is proven. We know cannabis can be a huge source of good for the community, for the economy, for a neighborhood. You name it, it's a damn good thing. You don't have to, you don't have to compromise. Don't go where you're not wanted. Because you can win 
you can win and the town can win as a partnership. And if you know you need to go in and really work it to possibly maybe get into a town, you you're going to be dealing with that the entire time that you're there. Mm -hmm. And the third rule, and this is particularly important as we have the social equity coming out and huge opportunities for predators out there, no assholes. And I cannot stress that enough. Meg and I have been working together now um, and with each other for over a decade. And that is, we have very clear sets of rules of vetting how and processes of vetting people that we meet and people who want to you know, sort of get into our, our, our orbit in some way. Um, and there are enough, just like there's enough places that want you, there's enough good people out there and you don't need to settle. Don't, 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 don't get in business with assholes and yeah. don't have asshole landlords and, you know, don't have asshole distributors or get involved with other companies that are assholes. Yeah, I would, I, would, I, would, um, <laughs> I love that. Part of this, part of the whole industry and startup and being an entrepreneur is finding funding, right? And finding those landlords and, and you know, where am I going to operate and who's going to help fund it? And I would say one of the biggest things, biggest pieces of advice I could give you is when investors show up, that is the best they're ever going to be. And if they're not right, like, like blowing your socks off, like, holy crap, oh my God, these are good people. I'm telling you, it doesn't get better. Nope. <laughs> that is really, that's a great advice. And uh, my advice for people uh, is it, come to the Northeast, visit uh, Canna Provisions in either Holyoke or Lee or both, and try to keep up with that because <laughs> you guys have really set the standard. Uh, I really uh, applaud you guys for doing it properly. And also let people know how they can find out more about uh, Canna Provisions and learn about all these other projects you guys have going on. Awesome. Well, number one and, and best way to learn about Canna Provisions and all the awesome products we carry is cannaprovisions.com. Um, you can order right online, pre-order and come on by and have a very quick experience. But you can also come in, which we always invite first timers to do, um, to really understand the new experience of cannabis and what you should be expecting when you visit a dispensary. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Canna Provisions Group um, is basically how you find us. And we really just look forward to um, hosting anyone who's never been. I tell you, we'll ruin every other dispensary experience for you when you come and visit us. But that's okay. We can be <laughs> Absolutely. And it's not, it's not just a dispensary. It's a destination. And it's a destination within a destination because uh, the, the Berkshires and uh, – the areas where you guys are, are are so beautiful and you guys are pivotal in making it such a wonderful destination to visit. So thank you so much, uh, Meg thank and Eric, you. for being on the show. Thank you, For, for everything. So good to see you, so Thanks, to see you my friend. Thanks, Mike. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweetleaf Plant Nutrients. Sweetleaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. 
If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. Hey, all right, welcome back. And uh, yeah, um, thank you to uh, Megan and Eric uh, of Canna Provisions Group. Their two dispensaries in Massachusetts are a uh, must-see destination uh, and an amazing place to, to uh, check out and with an amazing products as well. So thank you to them uh, for appearing on the show uh, and also for putting together such a, a, a great place to shop for cannabis. Uh, and now, I believe we're in the cultivation segment. Yeah, we are in the cultivation segment here. And, uh, you know, our listeners know that each week Dan likes to give a grow tip that's going to help you become a better cultivator. So, yeah, what are we going to talk about this week? Yeah, so this week I want to talk about uh, grow room maintenance between grows, right? Things you can do in between your grows uh, to either uh, ensure that your next grow is clean and, and, and well done and, and results in a, a decent harvest, but also maybe to even improve uh, on your grow. And there's really always something you can do to improve your next harvest. Uh, and the best time to do it is in between grows because you don't have to worry about, you know, the plants being in the way. Uh, and you can really get inside your grow and see what it's like inside there from, from the perspective of your plants. Um, so, you know, leaf surface temperature, all, all of that. And you can really dial in all these things. Uh, the number one most important thing you can do is clean up. Uh, and I can't overemphasize this enough. No dead leaves, no, uh, you know, moldy water spots, uh, no, nothing that is going to invite any kind of issues into your garden. Uh, you got to clean and sanitize as well. Uh, some people like to use, you know, a 10% bleach to water solution and really mop up every wall and ceiling. Uh, I don't necessarily think you have to go to all those lengths, uh, especially if you didn't have any sort of pest issues or anything like that. Uh, but certainly do what you can to make sure everything is clean. And that doesn't just mean, uh, you know, the floor and the ceiling and the walls, but also all your equipment, uh, even, you know, the lights, uh, the reflectors that you might have, if there's glass there, uh, it's a good time to clean all that up as well. Um, and check all of your equipment, right? Because sometimes this equipment... Uh, it goes bad, but it doesn't fail entirely, especially the bulbs. I mean, they need to be replaced uh, typically a lot more often than we replace them if you're us using uh, high-intensity discharge lights. Um, LEDs, not so much, but you should still uh, replace anything that needs replacing that you can find. All your equipment needs to be checked. Um, it's also a good time to upgrade things. Uh, if you've had issues with heat and you know they're coming in the future, um, you can upgrade your AC, you can upgrade uh, how you cool down your space. Um, if it's issues with humidity, uh, whether it be too much or too little, you can upgrade there as well. Uh, install extra things that you might need if you think, uh, uh, you know, odor is, is an issue for you or any, any of the issues that you have, this is the time to deal with them. Uh, another thing is secure wires. So you don't just have like big kind of spider webs of wires going all around. Uh, right now is a good time to really consolidate 
all your wires and, and tubing and things uh, and clean those spots up, uh, especially exhaust tubing and things like that, because exhaust tubing, you lose a lot of the strength of the fans every time that tubing bends. Uh, so, you know, you want straight tubes as much as possible. And if there's going to be a bend, uh, let there just be one bend and then, you know, that kind of thing so that there's not a lot of bending in your, in your tubes, uh, for your exhaust fans. Um, not only does that slow the air down, but the charcoal filtration slows it down as well. Uh, also a good time to check for light leaks. So actually get inside the grow, uh, with the lights off and make sure there's no light leaks coming in. Uh, good time to consider more automation in your grow, uh, ways to just, you know, if, in case you're just looking at the temperature, when you happen to open the, you know, the door and look inside, uh, you can turn to more automated ways of uh, gauging where you're at with temperature, with humidity, uh, all the climate control, uh, pretty much everything can be automated. So it's a good time to consider that. Um, if you're an outdoor grower, uh, it's a good time to expand. Uh, if you're looking to expand and, you know, the earth isn't frozen solid, uh, you can dig more holes. You can uh, improve upon the soil, um, you know, bury some fish heads and, and, and skeletons and guts and stuff uh, in the holes and let that sort of rot away for a while. That's an old, uh, old grower trick picked up from, uh, you know, indigenous peoples for, for many years. Uh, and, you know, uh, you don't just have to expand that particular outdoor plot. You can make new plots as well uh, if, you know, they're in the right place. But uh, yeah, there's a lot you can do in between grows to improve on grows. Uh, and another one for outdoors is to add more organic material, whether it's the fish or, or just compost or anything else, and just let that sit and rot. And uh, you'll end up just improving the soil and uh, end up with a better harvest the next year. And that's what it's all about. So whether it's indoors or outdoors, make sure to maintain uh good grow room maintenance and, uh, you know, clean check equipment, replace anything that needs replacing, uh, and order seeds, you know, experiment with new genetics. This is a good time to, uh, search around and see if you want to find something new to play around with. So that's my advice for grow room maintenance in between grows. All right. There you go. Good advice. And now uh, it is time to take some questions from our listeners. If you have a question that you would like answered on the show, uh, get in touch with us. The email is info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, what do you think, man? Should we dive in? Let's do it. Okay, yeah, let's start things off with our old friend, Gunja Gonzalez. And he writes, Dear Danny and Mike, I have a question about my home grow. I live in a rather conservative European country where legalization is not going to happen anytime soon, so I have to be discreet. My tent is rather small. It's 16 by 16 by 4 feet. I'm growing in textile pots with soil and a 100-watt high-quality LED light. I've had uh, several rather successful grows with two or three plants each, but I'm asking myself the following. With my conditions, would you suggest growing one large plant, two smaller plants, or four miniature plants? And would you divide up the strains, meaning would you grow just one strain per grow, or is it okay to mix and match strains with compatible flowering times? 
I'm looking for the best yield possible, of course. Thank you, as always. Uh, have a great holiday season. So, yeah, what would you say to Gunja? Yeah, um, so 16 by 16 is a pretty small, uh, you know, width and depth uh, with a height of four feet. Uh, so I would try to maybe take advantage of the height that you have, even though uh, it's an LED light. Um, you can get a decent amount of, of light throughout the canopy there, especially if you keep the light low uh, and as your plant grows, raise the light. Uh, and I think I would probably do one plant in that amount of space uh, and veg that plant out for a bit longer. Uh, and that way you don't really have to worry about having different strains uh, in the same space and dealing with uh, you know different flowering times and different growth rates. And you can really concentrate on just that one plant. So I would try to get a container as wide as, as you can, as big uh, as, and as deep as you can in that space and have a nice long vegging time, uh, you know, th uh, three weeks to a month minimum um, to really take advantage of uh, having just the one plant in there and being able to train the branches so that they fill out the entire canopy space. So your 16 by 16 is filled with uh, tops and uh, kind of, uh, and and then, you know, flower it that way, almost like a screen of green, basically, is what I would suggest. Uh, and because uh, it's such a small space, I think that's the way you're going to get the most bang for your buck. If you want to do multiple strains, I think you just uh, cut down the veg time, uh, makes, you know, use smaller pots and, uh, and go with that if variety is what you're interested in. But if it's really just yield, I think uh, add a little veg time, make it one large plant, and uh, keep it keep it happy, and you'll you, I think you'll have great results. And uh, good luck, thank you, and uh, keep on growing. All right, there you go. Hope that helps you out there, Gunja. Let's hop over to Facebook and take a question from German Volio Five, who writes, uh, "Hi, Danny. Greetings from Costa Rica. Congratulations on the magnificent podcast." Say hi to Mike G, <laughs> a great host. You two are always humble and helpful. No, thank you. Okay, uh, he writes, my question is, what are your thoughts on CO2 extractions instead of butane? Is that possible? Would you rather use solvent or solventless extraction? Uh, I would like to use a non-harmful solvent or something not as bad as butane. Thanks in advance and blessings, a lot of success and health, all your relatives and also Mike G. So yeah, uh, what would you say here to uh, the the extremely friendly German Volio 5? Yeah, he mentioned you twice, Mike. Twice, That's yeah. Pretty awesome, yeah. yeah. You know, he's in Costa Rica, so I would say Pura Vida uh, to our friends in Costa Rica. It's a wonderful place. Uh, and as far as extractions... I would not recommend butane at all uh, for the non-chemistry professional. It's explosive and dangerous um, and certainly has to be done under very, very particular conditions, uh, non, not by amateurs. Um, as far as CO2, it's a bit more safe, uh, but also doesn't really, you know, isn't always the, you know, the most flavorful uh, extraction. It's really a way to... Uh, sort of extract only certain things uh, so uh, you know for me i if it's if it's non-solvent and it's done right uh that's really among the best you know the um rosin that people are doing these days uh really is is something that you any anybody can make at home uh very safe and a, and a great dabbable product uh so i would basically 
uh, I would avoid butane and CO2 altogether uh, and just do solventless extraction. You can do that with ice water. You can do that with dry sift. Um, you can then press that. You can use freeze dryers, um, like, you know, uh, in order to also extract those trichomes. There's so many different things that can be done these days um, without the use of a solvent. I would leave the solvents uh, to the experts um, and the big boys that need to, you know, do pounds and pounds and pounds and into into vape pens and concentrate on solventless for those of us who are most interested in flavor and uh and the experience of uh the dab the hash you know the the essence of the cannabis flower the essential oil uh really is is best in solventless form uh i believe so that would that's my suggestion stick with solventless and i think uh there's a variety of different solvent solventless extractions you can do um and uh and they're all very safe so that's my my suggestion pura vida and uh have a great holidays as well all right there you go thank you uh german volio five we appreciate the question let's uh let's do another one this is from patreon from morgan c and uh, he writes, I'm planning to apply for a recreational provider license in Montana in 2022 as a micro-tier grower with a 150 to 200 square foot canopy. I plan to grow in a 12 by 26 garage bay on the ground floor. So uh, here are the two questions. Uh, number one, I would, like, I would like to be as efficient as possible, but it will probably have a garage door. Any ideas on increasing the insulation on a leaky garage door in the cold Montana winters? Also, will 6 to 8 LED bar lights kick off enough heat to help keep it in the 60s to 70s? Uh, supplemental heat will obviously be needed when the lights are off. Uh, what would you say here to Morgan? Yeah, so uh, I've been to Montana actually a couple times, and I do remember that it's very cold. Uh, cold Montana winters is right. So if it's a leaky garage door, you have to find a way um, to seal that door up. Uh, obviously, along the bottom, you know, where the air just pumps right in. So you're going to have to do something about, you know, any air that's coming in underneath the door. But those doors are also usually pretty flimsy. So any kind of insulation you can do of the door itself, personally, I would create an, an entirely different space inside the garage uh, that, you know, you wouldn't have to be reliant upon uh, any kind of insulation between the door uh, and the outside. I would create, I would use a tent basically uh, the same size as the canopy you're trying to build and have that inside there and then concentrate just on maintaining uh, the environment inside there. Now, six to eight LED bar lights, that's not going to kick off that much heat either. Um, so I think you're going to need supplemental heat, whether whether the lights are on or off in the winter time. Now in the summer, obviously you're not going to need supplemental heat, and you might even need to bring be bringing in cool air uh, from outside or have some kind of AC system there. Uh, but I wouldn't rely on six to eight LED bar lights um, giving you enough heat to to um, kick it up into the 60s or 70s uh, in in the, in the heat of, you know, I mean, in the cold of winter. So, uh, you're going to need supplemental heat. And, uh, as far as, you know, insulation, 
If you can't do the tent within the garage, you're going to have to do everything you can to make sure that cold doesn't come through that door uh, using insulation, insulated paneling uh, and, and really making sure that nothing's getting in. And again, you, you risk without doing a tent inside the garage, you're also risking pests coming in with that air, uh, from outside as well. So, uh, my best, your best bet and my advice is to, uh, create tents inside the garage and, uh, and then control the environment within the tent rather than having to control the whole garage environment. All right. Sounds good. And uh, Morgan actually has a third question, and it's about uh, odor control, but we're going to tackle that in Patreon. So um, head over to patreon.com slash Danny Danko if you'd like to hear a little bit more. And uh, that's going to do it for this Q&A from episode 82. Uh, thank you to everybody who wrote in. If you have a question that you would like answered on the show, uh, get in touch with us. You could email us, which is, of course, info at growbudyourself.com. What do you say we take a little break, come back and wrap this sucker up? Let's do it. All right, welcome back. It's time for the wrap. Wow, what a show. Uh, I want to thank uh, Megan Sanders and Eric Williams from Canna Provisions. Uh, definitely stop by there anytime you get a chance in Massachusetts, two different locations, uh, Lee and Holyoke. Uh, yeah, want to thank sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Um, hit them up on uh, Instagram for THC Infused Pain Relief Rub. Uh, Sweetleaf Nutrients, use the code DANKO15 for 15% off uh, at Sweetleaf. You can also get even more uh, codes and product from them if you join our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Uh, Rocket Seeds, the code there is GBY10 for 10% off your seed purchases. Uh, and of course, our affiliate vapor.com, where you can use the code GROWBUDYOURSELF20 for 20% off everything site-wide. So if you have your eyes on that, you know, puff, that new Puffco uh, Peak Pro, uh, the, the new color that they got out, um, the new 3D uh, chamber, whatever it might be, you can go to vapor.com and get 20% off with that code. I, I cannot stress that enough. They have so many amazing products there. Um, and 20% off is a pretty good deal. I don't think they uh, advertise uh, anything approaching that out there in the world. So um, that's our affiliate, vapor.com. Grow Bud Yourself 20 for 20% off. Um, thanks to Mike G. Thanks to Winstrong and, and DJ Jacques. Um, thanks to you guys for listening. Episode 82. Let's put it in the books. <laughs>